listening to Prosperous Coach Podcast with host Rhonda Hess. It's all about helping you choose a smart coaching niche and launch your coaching business with confidence. Okay, let's roll this thing. Today, I'm going to really show my humanity and share with you some of the mistakes I made during the startup of my coaching business. Yes, I really made all of these mistakes and really a whole lot more, and I live to tell the tale. But I've experienced multiple magical turning points in my business as well. Wonderful things I never could have imagined came my way because I did not let my mistakes stop me. And I hope you won't either. That's the key, right? My guess is that as I talk about these pitfalls, you'll both relate and also realize that you're much more savvy than I was at startup. Coaches seem to be just getting smarter and smarter every year. Mistakes are still the best way to learn. It's a time-honored tradition. And growing a coaching business, like any business, is a total experiment. It's a long-term gamble. When I was able to see my business in that light, it became easier to power through mistakes by making small adjustments instead of overreacting. If you can teach yourself to think like a scientist or an innovator and play the long game, you'll be golden. That gumption and grit that you develop will pay you back many fold. Okay, so enough preamble, now to dish the dirt. Mistake number one, I was holding extremely high expectations. And there are schools of thought about expectations. Me, I'm with Shakespeare, who purportedly said, expectation is the root of all heartache. And that wisdom is similar to the Buddhist belief that craving is what causes suffering. Well, it sounds right to me. See, I, I expected to replace my income before I quit my job when I started my coaching business. I expected to immediately get dozens of referrals from friends and family. I expected for everyone to get the value of coaching with a single free session. The weight of those expectations and others that I had just crushed me because when things didn't work exactly as I hoped, disappointment set in and I was certain that that meant I wasn't good enough. It didn't mean that. It never means that, you guys. It only means that the experiment was still alive, and I, I just needed to chill out emotionally while still taking action on behalf of my business. And then I realized pretty quickly that exchanging high expectations for low expectations was just another type of self-sabotage. It's totally demotivating, so don't go that way. It's really best to check expectations entirely. The winning attitude turns out to be another Buddhist principle, which is just to live in the present moment, let love drive you in your business, and show up as a professional. I know now that my first two years of coaching, I had been holding my breath until I arrived at some imagined destination. Where did my high expectations come from? Well, some of it was arrogance. Some of it was ignorance. And the rest was because, well, I drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> and that's mistake number two. At the time when I launched my coaching business, there was a lot of hyperbolic 
messaging about coaches earning high six or seven figures coming from the rock star coaches of the time. As if that was the norm. I'm glad to see that rhetoric has toned way down. And several people who are earning high figures these days are more transparent about the significant investment of time, sweat, and seed money it takes to get there. I was just listening to Natalie Ekdahl of Biz Chicks, one of my favorite podcasts. She generously admitted that her first whole year of business, she had zero profit. Four years later, though, she is one of those phenoms, and I can tell she works very hard for it. I appreciate her transparency, so I'm going to pass that forward to you now. My first year in my coaching business, I grossed a whopping $10,000, not enough to pay for my coach training, the equipment that I had, and my coach. My second year, I grossed $35,000. My third year, which was the year I figured out the right way to niche, to brand and connect to a unique target audience with a specific problem, that year I made 75000 And actually, that was pretty good money then. And from there I took off. I truly believe that you will move faster than, th- than I did if you thoughtfully design your business rather than just stumble into it like I did. Six years into my business, I started pushing really hard for those bigger numbers. Eight years into that race, I found that the costs of doing business at that level were too high for me. But that's me. You may have the stamina for that kind of business. Now, if you have big number goals, you absolutely have a chance at it. Consider, though, before you climb the highest mountain, get strong on the smaller ones, Be strategic and patient with yourself, or you'll burn out fast. If you're feeling like a loser because you're not at that six-figure place yet, don't treat yourself that way. That American dream thing or the equivalent in other nations keeps us in a scarcity thrall, always looking for easy money and feeling unlucky if it doesn't happen. That's the real cause of suffering. True prosperity is about feeling the blessing of what you have while you still grow. The healthiest approach I've found is to aim for stretch revenue goals that are appropriate for your phase of business, and then strategize each step you're going to take to reach that goal. Do the work, evaluate how you're doing from time to time, and make incremental adjustments based on what your audience wants and what you learn is best for you. In other words, experiment. So mistake three for me was staying too long in student mode. Maybe you can relate to that. While I both held the absurd expectations and drank the Kool-Aid on the one hand, on the other hand, I clung to student mode for nearly a year after coach training. It was basically a failure to fledge. I kept giving free coaching or I charged pitifully low fees I kept taking more coach training. I also spent a lot of money on programs that were teaching tactical approaches that I wasn't developmentally ready for. Have you ever enrolled in a program and it finishes and you have nothing to show for it? Well, that just kept happening to me over and over again. And chances are the information in your classes was just too advanced for where you were in your business then. I hadn't yet 
narrowed my niche enough or learned the psychographics of my audience. I didn't know how to market without being salesy. And I'll tell you, this is part of the reason why I serve coaches in the startup phase, to help them believe in their experiment and set themselves up well for the journey. I have so much compassion for myself in that perpetual student mode. It's a big deal to launch a business, and I guess I just needed that year to get ready for it mentally. In the meantime, I made another mistake, which is blindly following other coaches down a rocky and barren road. (laughs) I pretty much did what I saw other coaches doing. I didn't stop to consider if what they were doing was actually working for them. It looked cool. It sounded cool. So I was inspired. I remember admiring somebody's website, and I rushed to put up one of my own that was equally pretty and honestly pretty vapid. It addressed everyone. It proselytized about the wonders of coaching and had no conversion process. My third website was the charm. I also spent a lot of money on a logo and a business card. I abandoned that logo long ago and never really needed the business cards after about my second year in business because I shifted to an almost entirely online style of marketing and coaching. Basically, I invested in the trappings of my business without any kind of overall strategy. I think I probably made all the mistakes I possibly could have made in the startup phase. But my saving grace is that I'm tenacious. When I say I'm going to do something, I don't stop until I make it happen. The silver lining of my impetuousness is that when I fall flat on my face, I get up with curiosity and study the right way to do something until I can teach someone else how to do it. I wonder about you. What is your saving grace? What is the silver lining of the mistakes that you have made? Give that some thought. I hope you've enjoyed me roasting myself today. If you've gotten caught up in a pitfall during your startup and you want a hand to get back out to ground level, I offer a strategy session. You can check it out on the page for this episode's show notes. It's prosperouscoach.com slash six. Just scroll to the bottom. You'll see the button for the strategy session, and I would love to work with you. My next episode is called, Why is Coaching a Hard Sell? It's going to be interesting. Thanks for tuning in to the Prosperous Coach Podcast. And please, if you like something about it, review this show and share it with other coaches. Joel Bass did my theme music. Thanks, Joel.